Amen, and welcome. What a wonderful day to worship the Lord, and uh, uh, I am so glad to have you here this morning, and welcome. Our children, some of our, from our children's ministry will be returning back to uh, their worship service today. Thank you for joining us uh, in worship this morning, and uh, was thrilled to have you join us today and watch Piper to be baptized. Amen? Amen. Now, today, if you're at home and joining us, we encourage you, or in the building uh, today, would you look with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 5. We're continuing our series of messages called Foundations, a study in the Ten Commandments. In God's Word, there's never a time that we need to hear the truth of what is fundamental and foundational to our spiritual life and to civilization and to community and uh, to a right relationship with God uh, than today. And we need to re-look at the foundations. And this series is about the Ten Commandments. And as we look at the Ten Commandments together and about how those commandments apply in our life, Jesus said in summation concerning the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are really wrapped up in these, these two commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two are the law and the prophets. So exactly at that, as we look at these Ten Commandments, you're to have no other God beside me, me only as your God. You're not to fashion or make any idols to worship them. Worship only me. You're not to take my name in vain. You're not to use it for your purposes. You're not to use it in a vain way. And not only that, he said, you should worship me on my day and remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Not only that, you need to honor the authority that I've placed in your life. Honor your father and your mother. Now, as we look at this part of the Decalogue, it has to do with our relationship with one another. We need to get this relationship right, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. Last week, we looked at the commandment, last two weeks, you shall not murder. Today, we are looking at the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Verse number 18 of Deuteronomy 5, do not commit adultery. Today we're going to think about what is adultery, what is included in this commandment of you shall not commit adultery. Then we're going to look at what biblical marriage is, and then God's warning about adultery. And finally, in the message today, how do I live a life in a culture, in a world of adultery? Adultery is it's a, it's a commandment today, and as I preach, I, I, just, I just want you to know, as we've studied these Ten Commandments, I feel the, the resistance, and you do too, and the truth that we're going to preach, we're standing in the stream against the flow of culture. And as we stand in the stream against the flow of culture, we feel the resistance against us. 
But the truth of the matter is, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And to coddle the lie never sets anyone free. And so today, like as uh, these other commandments that we've looked at, as we study them together, we will feel conviction, we'll even feel some resistance. But that's not from God, it's not from the Holy Spirit, it's from the siren call of the culture that speaks another word, which is a false word to all of us. Adultery is destructive, and it destroys your life and your relationships. The Bible is filled with lots of stories about this, but one of the most famous is in the life of King David himself, the shepherd boy who becomes king. And King David, while gifted and a man after God's own heart, a hero in so many ways, the Bible is clear about failure in his life. In Deuteronomy and 2 Samuel chapter 11, we have the story about David and his moral failure. It's, he's in the palace, he is the king, the men have gone out to war to fight against the Amorites. The Amorites and David in the evening is walking on the rooftop of the palace and as he looks from the rooftop, his perspective, he sees a woman and she is bathing. As he sees her, he desires her, he's interested in her, he inquires about her and he's told that is Bathsheba, Bathsheba is the daughter of Eliam. David dishonors Eliam. She's the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of your famous fighting men that's on the front line of battle today. And he dishonors Eliam because that's what adultery does. Adultery lies to you. Adultery is in the heart of your selfishness that says, I want what I want, and I don't believe that you can give me what I need. So I am going to step outside of that and disobey God and injure you. So David not only inquires about her, he pursues her, he has her brought to him, and he ends up sleeping with her. He tries to cover up, the men are at war, but she sends word back to him, we've got a problem, you, I am now going to have a child. And so he begins this grand scheme of cover-up, bringing Uriah, you know the story, back home from the front lines, pretending to want to hear about the war from one of his men, his faithful men. He listens to his report from the war, and he says, go on home, wash your feet, enjoy your wife and your family. It's part of the cover-up, but he's has more integrity than the king. And he says, how in the world? He, he doesn't go home. The next morning, the king says, you, did you not go home? He said, no. How in the world would I go home and enjoy my home life while my brothers are out in the field in battle? No, I won't go home. He encouraged him to go home the next night. He didn't do it. The next day, he has a party, gets him drunk, and says, go on home. But he doesn't go home. So David takes the sin even further. And he writes a note by his own hand and puts it in a sealed envelope to take to the commander Joab. And he said, I want you to have Uriah on the front line of battle. I want you to pull the men back so that Uriah dies 
It's murder. It's the downward spiral of this sin of adultery to murder. This was in the heart of David. This is in the heart of all of us who commit adultery. It's, it's what I want. It's how I want. I want what I want more than I want you in my life. Hmm. What is adultery? What is included in this commandment? The Westminster Confession of Faith said, what are the duties required to the seventh commandment? The duties required in the seventh commandment are chastity in body, mind, affections, words, and behavior. The preservation of it in ourselves and others, watchfulness over the eyes and all the senses, temperance, keeping of chaste company, modesty in apparel, marriage by those who have not the gift of continency, conjugal love, cohabitation, diligent labor in our callings, and shunning all occasions of uncleanness and resisting temptations thereunto. In this catechism, the Westminster Confession and Catechism is, goes to right to the very heart of the matter, as Jesus does himself. If we wish to avoid committing adultery, then we should cultivate purity in our heart in sexual matters. We need to avoid occasions of temptation and replace those with diligence in our labor and our calling. And boy, isn't that exactly right. The reason that we're to be diligent is when you're busy about God's business and when you're busy carrying out the call of God on your life and when you're busy doing the ministry and the work that God has called you to, then you'll be faithful in your life. This commandment, do not commit adultery, if said in the positive way, is do live a life of faithfulness. Faithfulness to God and faithfulness in your relationship and faithfulness in your marriage. Be a faithful person. And when you're faithfully serving God, using the gifts that God has given you, serving Him and His kingdom's work, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not going to live an adulterous life. But adulterous, adulterous living is set up by a cool relationship with God. So no longer do you believe that God can provide the great needs of your life, but you've got to step out in rebellion against him and rebellion against your mate, and you commit adultery. Adultery destroys your life. It destroys our lives. And your marriage is to be a reflection of your relationship with God. And when you violate the covenant relationship, then you are committing sin against holy God. We are wedded to God. And when we sin against God, we commit adultery, which is spiritual idolatry, against God himself. Amen. 
Well, let's look at what Jesus had to say to this. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 5, verse number 27. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 27. Do you have your Bible? Listen to what the Scripture says. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Jesus said, it's also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written uh, notice of divorce. But I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. What is adultery? First of all, it's physical, sexual unfaithfulness. In Deuteronomy 22.22, if a man is found lying with a married woman and the both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman, thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. Why such a harsh, why such a harsh judgment on this act of adultery? Because like the nine other indispensable commandments, they are, indis they are indispensable in the forming and maintaining of a higher civilization. It threatens the very building block of civilization that the Ten Commandments are trying to create. And the, the commandments are trying to, commit a, co to, to create a right relationship with God, honoring Him and His authority in our life, and then a right relationship with one another. And when we lie and deceive and commit adultery, it is undermining the building block of all of society, which is the family itself. And no wonder the enemy is full-time fighting to destroy your marriage and your family. Isn't that true? And there's no social stability without a family. Why such a harsh judgment? Because it's a, the commitment to family brings security and maturity in your life. Family is essential to a woman's emotional needs. Marriage brings maturity and integrity to a, to a man as he's faithful and provides and protects and loves and serves his family. And a stable home provides a place for children to grow up and to learn where children learn what it's like to be a dad, and where children learn what it's like to be a mom, and where children learn how husbands should treat a wife and how a wife respects and treats her husband, where children learn the law of God, the love of God, the word of God, where children grow and develop and mature. But destroy the family and destroy a marriage, and you're destroying young lives and destroying a generation. Adultery threatens the home. It threatens the building block of society. It's damaging relationally. 
And it leads to a fraudulent life. Listen to me. When you live a life of adultery, it leads to a fraudulent life. Your life then becomes filled with lies and deception and cover-up. You sow seeds of distrust and murder, just like David. Adultery leads to idolatry, comes from idolatry in the heart. I want what I want, and I can't find it with you, so I'll find it somewhere else. And it's that idolatry, it's sin against God and sin against the other person. It's my needs, it's my wants, it's my desires. And that's adultery. Adultery is not only that, but Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 5 that it's, it's lust of the heart and the mind. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery already in his heart. You have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And we live in a society that's filled with breeding lust and temptation we live in a pornographic age. And this pornography through images and used to, I mean, it used to be that pornography was in the seedy back alley bookstores and that kind of thing. No, it's just piped right into your life, right on your phone. The cons consumption of pornography. One study I recently read said most middle school boys look at pornography multiple times a day. It's in our culture. It's the imagination of your mind, your YouTube, media, porn sites. You think, well, I'm not hurting anybody else. Yes, you are. You're destroying yourself. You're unfaithful to your wife, and you're unfaithful to God, and it's a sin against him, and it's a sin against your own self. It's lustful looking at another person to use that person, not love that person. Listen to me. I've had stuff like this happen while I've been pastor. I've had women say to me, that man creeps me out. He ogles women. He looks them up and down. He acts lustfully. When he gives, tries to give me a hug in a greeting time, I feel like it's more than that. These things have happened in church. It's lust in your mind, not only your eyes, but your mind. Consuming 50 shades of gray is 50 shades of sewage for your mind. And it's destruction of your marriage. And this is what Jesus warned us. He said, don't destroy your marriage. He, Jesus, they, they came to him and they said, Can we, a man divorce his wife for any reason, the 19th chapter of, of Matthew. And, and, and he said, listen, 
He says, can we, can we, Moses said that if we could give a certificate of divorce. What do you say about this? And he says it wasn't that way in the beginning. He says the truth of the matter is, he said Moses gave you the commandment because of the hardness and sinfulness of your heart. But that wasn't God's intention. God's intention was not that. He created the man and woman in his image. And a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That's God's plan. And then what God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. He said, don't destroy your marriage, but you fight for it. Fight for your marriage. It's created by God. It's a covenant before God. When I think about marriage and defining it, that marriage is a covenant commitment between a man and a woman before holy God for a lifetime. Divorce, well, there are times that divorce may have to happen. It ought to be rare, and it ought to be when there was no other way to avoid it. Immorality breeds this adultery in your heart. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse number 5, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Look with me to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse number 3. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, verse 3, For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality brings destruction into your life. And when you live a life of sexual immorality, whether you're married or not, when you live a life of sexual promiscuity, it is spiritual idolatry in your life. You're defrauding yourself. You're injuring your relationship with God. You're hurting your future relationships. And let me tell you, when you live in, in sexual immorality, you also are defrauding and hurting your future mate that you will have. And it's sin against God. Spiritual adultery is also a part of it, not just a physical act of adultery, but, sex, but spiritual Adultery, in James chapter 4, verse number 4. If you have your Bible, look with me to the book of James, chapter number 4, beginning verse number 4. You adulterous people, don't you know friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the Scripture says the Spirit He made to dwell in us envies intensely? 
He said, God has created you to be faithful and loyal to him. But when you live like the world, you're, you're committing adultery in your heart. He says, you adulteresses, you adulterous people, when you live like the world, value like the world, then you've become like the world. This is what happens. We want to put this foot into the world and live just like the world, talk like the world, curse like the world, joke like the world, drink like the world swear like the world, cheat like the world, gossip like the world, and worship like the world. Not make it important in your life. Worship the things of the world. I want to be popular with the world. And then you want this foot over in a right relationship with God. That doesn't work, friends. Listen, friendship with the world is hostility toward God. It's enmity with him. It's created a division. You're at war with God trying to live a double life. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. You be holy as I am holy. God has called you to live a different life, to stand against the stream of culture and to stand for what is right and live it in your life. Can somebody say amen? I know. This, if you came for a health, wealth, and prosperity message, I'm sorry. This is truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm speaking truth. I'm pleading with truth. Satan is a liar, and this culture lies to you. And it's bringing destruction into your life. Body and soul. What is biblical marriage? Pastor, can we move on to something? Yes. The book of Genesis, chapter number 2. Why don't we look at what it means to be married? I think this is important, don't you? In verse number 21 of chapter 2 of Genesis, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh in that place. And then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the, woman into, uh, from the man into a woman and formed her and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she is taken from man. I love verse 23, don't you? When he awoke, God brought the first woman to him. Whew. And when he sees her, he goes, God, you have done something awesome. I mean, she's like me, kind of. She looks like me. She talks like me. She's formed like me. She doesn't have a fur coat like some of the other creatures here. She probably will someday. <laughs> she is beautiful. God, she's got parts I don't have. Oh, God, this is beautiful. This is a better model, God, you've created. And now. The man's name's Ish, and her name's Isha. 
because Ish-ah comes from man by God's hand. Wow. The thing of beauty. Whoa, God, she's awesome. He didn't say, God, can I hold out for another model? And then it says in verse 24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. Let me say something about this. First of all, marriage is between a man and a woman. Only men and women. Marriage is a covenant before holy God. Marriage brings great joy in your life. Marriage great, brings great happiness in your life. Marriage brings great satisfaction into your life. Marriage is a gift from Almighty God. Sexual relationships within marriage are not a constraint They are on a liberation. You are to enjoy the wife of your youth. You're to enjoy one another. You're to celebrate in God's creation. And by the way, sex is not dirty. Sex is beautiful. And to be celebrated in the life of a believer in a covenant of marriage. But when you take it outside of marriage... You bring destruction into your relationships and into your life. Now notice the priority of marriage. It says a man shall leave his father and mother, leave his parents. By the way, parents, here's a word for you. Your goal is to get those kids out of your home. God's design is not for them to live in your basement until they're 35. That's not God's plan. Push the birds out of the nest. Help them to grow up. Don't coddle. Don't coddle their immaturity. And then the permanence of marriage, you're to leave father and mother. By the way, when you leave and you go to be married, then you still honor your father and your mother, but the priority is now your home and your own marriage. And by the way, parents, don't interfere in your children's new marriage. And it's to be permanent thing. They shall cleave to one another. They are welded to one another. They're joined together. They're held, they're glued together. And so what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Well, you know what? I married him, but I'm just kind of tired of him. He's boring. I'm just not fulfilled. Well, I'm just not happy, and I think God wants me to be happy. Did you know life's not all about you? Well, we just argue too much, so we thought it'd be better for us to get divorced. 
The children are just fine with it. That is the biggest lie out of hell ever. They are not fine with it. I deal with people all the time that are still suffering because of what happened with their mom and dad and their divorce. The priority of marriage. Secondly, notice here the purpose of marriage. We're to be one flesh. Marriage, and I I was going to look at Ephesians 5. I, I don't have the time to look at the whole passage. We'll do that for another sermon but marriage is, is that we are to become one flesh. And marriage is to be, your marriage is a picture of Jesus Christ and his church. You're one flesh. One person I read this week said, marriage is a romance novel in which the hero and the hero, heroine die in the first chapter. You're to die for your own self, and you both die, and a new life begins with one flesh. You're a one flesh couple beginning a new life. And marriage is a picture of Jesus and his church with Christ as the head of his body, which is the church. You don't sever the head from the body. You're a member of his body. And husbands, you are to love your wife like Christ loved his church. Die for your own self and die for her. Die from your own selfishness and die for her. Love her. Honor her. Cherish her. Provide for her. Care for her. And make her important priority of your life other than Jesus Christ. Love her. Know her needs, know her wants, know her desires, know what brings security in life. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Lead your family spiritually. Take care of your family and provide for them. And wives, love, respect your husband. Yield to him, pray for him, and you strengthen and help him to be all that God has called him to be. And together, you will find fulfillment in your life. Why are marriages failing? Because we throw them away. They throw them away. Don't throw your marriage away. Fight for your marriage. And you say, well, pastor, what if they have failed? What if my spouse has failed in some way? Well, there's another famous adulterous relationship in the Bible that I think really instructs us here. Stay with me. In the book of Hosea, chapter number one, the Lord comes to the prophet, eighth century preacher, Hosea, and he says to him, I want you to go and marry this woman, and she has adult, she has harlotry, promiscuity in her heart. But you marry her and you be a husband to her. And so he falls for her. He loves her. He marries her. He knows, though, that there's something wrong. There's an unsettledness in her. They have a son together. They name that first son Jezreel, which means God sows. God's going to sow his justice in the world. But then The Bible says they had a second child, but this time it makes it clear, subtly, it says, but the first child is his child. The second child 
It just says she conceived. And the daughter is born, and the daughter's name is Lo-Ruamah. Ruamah means loved, mercy, compassion. But Lo is the negative in the Hebrew. Not mercy, not loved, not compassion. It says after that child was weaned, she conceived again. and She gave birth to a son. This time, the name is not a me, which means mine. But it's lo a me, not mine, not my people. And Gomer, which is Hosea's wife, gives herself to wanton, lascivious behavior and multiple adulteries, and she bears children that are not even his and ends up in a slave market with prostitutes. And God says, I want you to go to her and love her again. And he took 15 shekels and he buys her at the slave market. And he says, I want you to make her yours. Because those that were not my people will be my people. And those that are are not loved will be loved. Wow. God says... I want you to learn the truth, Hosea. What you're feeling and experiencing in your marriage is what I experience with God's people because I love them, I saved them, I redeemed them, I made them to be mine, and they have set other gods before them. They have committed spiritual adultery in your life, in their lives, but I am not throwing them away. I pursue them and redeem them with my Listen, I don't know how bad seemingly things are in your marriage, but they don't have to fall apart. Fight for the marriage. What is God's warning about adultery? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 4, look with me. Let's read this together. Those at home can read it too. Read it with me. Marriage... Let's read it together. Because God will judge the sexually immoral and adultery. Whom will God judge? Sexually immoral and and what? Adulterous. Marriage is to be what? Honored. Not thrown away. And the marriage bed kept what? Undefiled. Hmm. Adultery is sin against yourself. You say, well, I'm not hurting anybody else. Yes, you are. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting others. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but a person who's sexually immoral sins against his own body. I'm telling you, immorality Pornography, 
all of this, it, it hurts you. It's destroying you. It's destroying your mind. It's destroying your soul. It is destroying your body. It brings destruction into your life. Adultery is sin not only against you, but destruction, adultery is sin against your home. It's against your parents. It injures your parents. It injures your children. It injures your spouse. It injures your name. It injures your home. Adultery is sin against your church. Romans chapter 14, verse number 7. Romans 14, verse number 7. For none of us lives for himself. Say that with me. For and did you know life's not just all about you? You're part of a family. You're part of a community. Matt just prayed about that a while ago. And when you live an adulterous life, you're hurting your community that you're a part of. You're hurting your church. You're hurting your reputation. You're hurting your ministry. You're hurting the message of the gospel with your idolatry. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 don't yourselves know that you're God's temple and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that's who, what you are. Adultery is sin against God himself. Romans, uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32, The one who commits adultery lacks sense, and whoever does so destroys himself. Do you have your Bible? 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians. I always like to lace these sermons with lots of scripture because I don't want it to just be what Pastor Tim thinks. Why don't we look at what God says? 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 9. Don't you know that the unrighteous... Do you have it? Let's just, let's, let's just practice reading together today. Let's say it together. Say it with me. Don't you know will not inherit God's kingdom? Next And notice, these people will not inherit God's kingdom. Don't be deceived. Sin always deceives us. Satan is a liar and a thief. Your passions will lie to you. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a person, a man soweth, so shall he reap. He says in this passage of Scripture, no sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, or thieves, or greedy, or drunkards, or abusive verbally people, or swindlers, cheaters, will inherit God's kingdom. 
The kingdom of God is not made up of those kinds of people that live those kinds of lives. But here's the grace in it, the next verse. Listen close. And some of you used to be like this. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. God takes sinful, messed up people and he changes them and saves them and cleans them and washes them. Amen? Amen. Well, quickly, how do I live in a world of adultery? Number one, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Would you all agree with me? We are all adulterers. We've all sinned. We've all betrayed God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not even one. All of we, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. The Bible says, unless you repent, we will all likewise perish. So we first of all need to turn and repent from sin and return to the Lord. Now listen. This is what Peter preached. Repent, therefore, and turn back to God that your sins may be wiped out and seasons of refreshing may come from the Lord. Isn't that a good word? Amen. Now listen, in the book of Hosea that we referred to earlier, in Hosea, he tells him to go and buy back and restore and he says, when you go and buy back Gomer from her sin as a prostitute, I want you to keep her and say to her, you'll not be with any other men anymore. But then you don't be with her either until I do a work in her, like I'm going to do in God's people. And then she will want you again, and you will know her with intimacy again. In chapter 3, verse 5, it's described more fully in Hosea, chapter number 14, in verse number 1. Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity, and take words of repentance with you, and return to the Lord, and say to him, forgive all of our iniquity, accept what is good that we may repay you with praise from our lips. And then the Bible says, and I will heal their apostasy, verse 4, and I will freely love them for my anger will have turned from him and I will be due to Israel and he'll blossom like the lily and take root like cedars of Lebanon. And his new branches will spread and his splendor will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like the fragrance of the forest of Lebanon. And the people will return and live beneath his shade. And they will grow grain and blossom like the vine. And his renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. He said, I will bring renewal and refreshing in your life. Wow. So we repent of sin. We return to the Lord, practically set boundaries, 
Set boundaries in your relationships. Set boundaries in your own life, what you look at, what you read, what you contemplate, what you think on, who you're alone with. Guard your heart. Commit your life to live a covenant marriage before God. Love and respect each other in your marriage. And then you be faithful. Joshua said to the children of Israel after they occupied the promised land, he said, there were idols that you got caught up in worshiping on the other side of the river, and there's the idols of the Amorites in whose land we live today. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It takes a covenant commitment that we're going to live different. We will serve the Lord in our house. Guard your heart against adultery. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. It is so powerful, so true, and so life-giving. And I pray that as we've studied it, I know your Holy Spirit has spoken today. God, have your way in our lives. Change us. Lead us to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen.